0: Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 54 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a deep dive into the SEC's FCPA settlement with Jim Bean. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. I wanted to devote a podcast episode to the SEC's uh, Bean Suntory uh, FCPA settlement because it contains a number of important lessons learned with respect to third-party risk management and how to respond to allegations of misconduct. In my view, the enforcement action contained a number of important reminders crossing over a number of issues that need to be underscored for legal and compliance practitioners. So let's start with the basic facts. On July 2nd, 2018, the SEC announced an FCPA resolution with Beam Suntory, a Chicago-based spirits liquor producer uh, that centered on their improper payments to government officials in India. Uh, In India, the liquor industry is heavily regulated and there are numerous opportunities for bribery and kickbacks. Uh, Jim Beam was traded on the New York Stock Exchange until 2014 when it was acquired by a Japanese company that's Suntory and then uh, who promptly delisted the company from the New York Stock Exchange. The underlying facts of this enforcement action were from 2006 through 2012 senior executives at Beam India directed efforts by third parties to make improper payments to increase sales, process license and label registrations, obtain better positioning on store shelves, and facilitate distribution of BEAM products. So uh, under the SEC uh, procedures, uh, BEAM consented to the entry of a cease and desist order to resolve the FCPA accounting provision charges and agreed to disgorge $5.26 million of profits plus $917,000 in prejudgment interest and pay a $2 million civil penalty, uh, altogether a little bit over uh, $8 million. The SEC's order did not impose ongoing reporting requirements on BEAM and acknowledged uh, the company's voluntary self-disclosure, cooperation with the SEC's investigation, and the remedial actions taken by the company including ceasing operations at BEAM India until BEAM was satisfied it could operate in a compliant manner. BEAM has announced that it is continuing to cooperate in an ongoing DOJ investigation, so there was no DOJ uh, resolution uh, at the same time as the SEC's case was uh, resolved. Given BEAM's senior management role in the bribery scheme, Uh, There is a possibility that DOJ may be conducting a criminal investigation focused on some of Beam's senior managers. However, given the length of time involved in this investigation and the five-year statute of limitations, which obviously could be extended by agreement, uh, such a criminal investigation may be coming to a close. So I'm not so sure that there is going to be a criminal case, but it may be that they're still in negotiations with regard to uh, settling their case with the DOJ, at least the corporation is. Um, Beam's settlement took over five years from initial disclosure to resolution, and that's a long time to just say the least. Beam's conduct follows similar conduct by other liquor companies operating in India. In 2011, uh, Diego uh, uh, settled with the SEC for approximately 16 million for FCPA violations in India, and two other liquor companies have pending FCPA investigation. Going to the conduct itself, uh, BEAM's conduct is instructive because BEAM employed a variety of third-party bribery schemes to advance its commercial sales and secure regulatory approvals and registrations. As in many other FCPA cases involving third parties, BEAM funded the payments through inflated invoices it received from its third parties. All in all, in my view, BEAM is a textbook example of third-party risks and the use of third parties to fund and carry out bribery schemes. So let's go into a little bit more about the third parties, but you see that um, it was, and why I wanted to focus on this is because the risks that were involved were not only using bribery payments to increase sales, but also to secure regulatory approvals. And those are two of the most significant risks that can come up in uh, the use of third parties. During the period of 2006 to 2012, BEAM subsidiary in India um, paid bribes to government officials using third party promoters, distributors, and other third parties in connection with sales and promotion activities. <clears throat> Excuse me, the third parties paid bribes to government employees at Uh, depots and retail stores to increase sales order, improve the shelf positions of its products, and also to secure license and label registrations. Beam regularly made payments to lower level and senior government officials to ensure timely approval of annual label registration requirements. So each year you have to uh, get the registration uh, approved for your particular label. In 2011, BEAM sought to introduce a new product in India. Before doing so, BEAM had to secure a label registration from Indian regulators. The Indian official responsible for such approval demanded a payment of approximately $18,000 for approval of the registration. Three senior managers at BEAM India reviewed and approved the payment and a method for reimbursing the Indian subsidiary for the payment. Shortly thereafter, the label registration was approved. So BEAM's bribery scheme used third parties to gain financial advantages and increase sales and better shelf placement. And then these payments were disguised using fake invoicing, Uh, a common practice that could have been detected had BEAM implemented a robust invoice-to-payment review process. The second use of third parties, as noted, was to pay bribes to secure regulatory approvals and registrations of products, which was an annual requirement for existing products and a separate requirement for any new product. Again, BEAM used bribes to ensure timely approvals of registrations and licenses and again paid for these bribes through inflated invoices, which were again not detected through uh, BEAM's internal controls. The remediation credit uh, issue was really uh, interesting in this case as well, and I wanted to highlight this in terms of providing an example how not to do or how not to handle allegations of misconduct by shuffling it all around and nobody really uh, focusing on the issue. So finally in, the, in this case, the SEC declined to award any credit for Beam uh, to BEAM for compliance program remediation. In 2011, Beam failed to respond to initial indications of bribery activity uh, in India. For almost two years, Beam shuffled around findings and recommendations for an in-depth review of its activities in India after problems were identified uh, by an accounting firm investigation, subsequently an Indian law firm investigation, and then a U.S. law firm's further support of the analysis and investigation. The problems in India were further corroborated when a former employee alleged specific bribery activities which were confirmed, and Beam avoided further investigation of similar activities in other areas in India. Beam's rationalizations and shuffles of responsibility totaled a simple but devastating attitude. Beam was not committed to discovering potential problems and sought to brush as much as they could under the rug. Let's look at the sequence of events little bit more specifically relating to BEAM's failure to respond. So in 2010, BEAM engaged a global accounting firm to conduct a compliance review of BEAM India. In early 2011, the accounting firm reported that BEAM India executives believed that third-party promoters were making bribery payments to government officials and recommended that BEAM conduct and document due diligence to confirm activities by third parties, investigate red flags, and discuss legal consideration of third party actions taken on BEAM's behalf. After this report, in receiving this report, uh, BEAM consulted a US law firm which advised BEAM to follow up on these issues. BEAM then retained an Indian law firm to review and expand the work conducted by the accounting firm. The Indian law firm interviewed BEAM senior managers who believed the third parties in India may make payments and provide gifts to customs officials. In the end, the Indian law firm confirmed many of the the accounting firm recommendations. So BEAM then requested its U.S. law firm to review and report on the work done by the Indian law firm. In August 2011, the U.S. law firm reviewed the Indian law firm's report and noted that the Indian law firm did not review BEAM's books and records internal controls, or other issues related to accounting practices. In sum, the U.S. law firm confirmed the advice given by the global accounting firm and the Indian law firm and proposed additional steps, including a financial review and hiring of a forensic auditor. Now, Beam did not follow any of these recommendations. In September 2011, The Indian law firm recommended that Beam interview operational employees involved in high-risk transactions with third-party promoters. Beam again declined to do so. In November 2011, a former Beam India employee alleged a scheme through which a manager was using false invoices to generate cash. A review completed in March 2012 concluded that the manager was using the funds to pay bribes over a two-year period for approval of label registrations. Despite reaching this conclusion, BEAM did not expand its review to examine other third-party practices. So now we get to the end here. In July 2012, a former BEAM accountant raised similar compliance issues that eventually resulted in the uncovering of the full range of conduct that was subject of the enforcement action. Beam's course of conduct over nearly two years revealed its unwillingness to investigate and uncover misconduct. No wonder that Beam eventually settled for $8 million. Beam failed the true test of corporate character, which is when you see signs of wrongdoing, you respond, you investigate, you dig, And you make sure that you look under every rock because many FCPA cases, you'll see examples of companies that fail to respond to either internal audit findings, internal investigation findings, and try to brush it under the rug. Well, that's all I wanted to talk about with regard to BEAM. To everybody, I hope you had a nice holiday over the Labor Day weekend. And uh, we'll be back in touch uh, with more podcasts coming. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.bolcofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Climate Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact me at our email address, mbolcoff at to let us know how we can help you achieve your goals.